0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. Today is Wednesday, December the 9th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on December 9, 2000, the U.S. Supreme Court ordered a temporary halt in the Florida vote count. Al Gore had pinned his best hopes on winning the White House on that count. Today in 1854, Alfred Lord Tennyson's famous poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade was published in England. The Charge of the Light Brigade was written by this English poet, Alfred Lord Tennyson, in response to a battle that was taking place during the Crimean War. That was about, I think it was about 1850 to 1855, I think, right in that area. But anyway, in this battle, the British Cavalry Unit, the Light Brigade, it was called, was commanded to charge against this Russian artillery unit. And the order was basically suicidal because it was a few guys against, you know, a whole battalion or whatever. There was a bunch of Russians there with big guns. But the Russians had been stealing the guns from the English. So this, this officer tells the light brigade to charge them. And everybody in the light brigade knew they couldn't win. But the poem is really about being um, faithful to the charge or to the command, in this case, in a military sense. And so it's kind of, the poem was kind of about self-sacrifice and heroism by these cavalrymen, and it caught on, it was became very popular in England and in, in America as well. But... Um, it's interesting that you, what you don't hear about that, and I just wanted to mention this in passing, is that that poem was written based on the 23rd Psalm. And um, there's, I'm not going to read the poem. It's There's quite a bit to it. I want to just give you a little bit of it. But um, Tennyson himself was questioning, he said later, um, he was questioning whether Christianity was really true or not. And he'd been reading... The twenty-third Psalm. So he connected that to this historical event, the Light Brigade, the charge of the Light Brigade, and wrote this poem in his own questioning of whether or not he could fully sell out to God. So with that in mind, um, the, the the poem. Uh, just let me share a, a bit of it because it's very insightful. And, and there's a line in here that you've heard before, but you may not have known where it came from. Now you'll know. But anyway, it says half a league, half a league. I think that's about a mile or a mile and a half, something like that. All in the valley of death rode the 600. Forward the light brigade. Charge for the guns, he said, into the death, rode the 600. And then there's this um, this part of it. Forward the light brigade. Was there a man dismayed? Not though a soldier knew someone had blundered. There's not to make reply. There's not to reason why. There's but to do or die. Now some versions of that says there's but to do and die. I think the original though says or but it's debated. But anyway it's or or and I mean it changes the meaning somewhat. But I think it's or die. But anyway, there's not to reason why there's but to do or die. Into the valley of death, rode the six hundred. History also says there were about 700, really not 600, but that's the essence of it. And it's interesting that that came out, or I find it interesting, that that poem was written uh, during a time when he was really questioning his own faith. He had professed to be a Christian, but he was questioning his own faith and really the authenticity of the Bible itself. So sometimes in some of the most difficult times of our lives, some of the most Uncertain times of our life comes some of the greatest things that happen in our life. In this case, a poet, he wrote a great poem that people all over the world have read and studied and so on. That was today in 1854. Today in 1940, British troops opened their first major offensive in North Africa during World War II. Today in 1958, the John Birch Society was formed in Indianapolis. Today, in 1962, the petrified forest in Arizona was designated a national park. Today, in 2001, the United States disclosed the existence of a videotape in which Osama bin Laden, remember him? He said on this tape, I am pleasantly surprised by the extent of damage from the September 11 terrorist attacks. In other words... He knew there would be damage, but he was pleasantly surprised that those two tall buildings, the World Trade Center buildings, came down. Today in 2013, scientists revealed that NASA's Curiosity rover had uncovered signs of an ancient freshwater lake on Mars. One year ago today, at a hearing by the House Judiciary Committee, Democrats outlined the impeachment case against President Donald Trump. They were saying one year ago today that his push to get Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden while withholding U.S. military aid ran <clears throat> counter to U.S. policy and it benefited Russia as well as himself. Put that in the context of what we know today, 365 days later, it was Joe Biden who was hooked up with with the other side? China? Joe Biden was over there in the Ukraine telling them if they didn't fire the fire the guy that was investigating the company that had just put his son on the board for fifty to eighty thousand dollars a month, he would withhold withhold American money. It's on videotape. I've seen it a dozen times. Every time I see that, I can't believe the guy would say that. I mean, I believe he would say it, but I can't believe he would say it where it could be recorded and replayed. That's how inept Joe Biden is. I know he was a political force in his day, but this isn't his day. I'll be honest with you. I've looked at him, and I I, I don't say that with any malicious intent. I'm just saying this guy isn't capable. So as he ascends, if he should, to the presidency, Kamala Harris will be running this country and Bernie, and George Soros, and those kinds of people. That's what we're facing today in this nation. John Adams, our second president, one of our founding fathers, he said a constitution of government once changed from freedom can never be restored. He's one of the guys that founded this country. He said if we lose it, We'll never be able to restore it, the freedom that we have. He said liberty, once lost, is lost forever. Supreme Court is announcing today they're not just considering what Texas has filed on Tuesday. I mentioned yesterday that the state of Texas, uh, yesterday morning, filed an election lawsuit in the U.S. Supreme Court against Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and and Wisconsin, and they are alleging that the state unconstitutionally, those states, unconstitutionally changed election laws, treated voters unequally, and triggered significant voting irregularities by relaxing ballot integrity measures. I mentioned yesterday on the program that when I first saw this yesterday morning, because that's when they filed it, um, I thought, man, are they... I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I've paid a lot of them over the years to do stuff for us. But um, I thought, do they have standing? I mean, are the, is the court just going to say, well, you don't have standing in, in that particular case? But they go on in the case, Texas, wisely, very wisely. They go on to say that it, because of the, of the uh, failure of these states, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, because of the fraud, allegedly, that took place in their elections, they stole the election from all the states, including Texas, who voted for President Trump, electorally. So it, they do have standing, based on the way they framed this, this, um, this lawsuit. Smart guys. I mean, really smart. And I'm impressed. So anyway... Supreme Court now this morning we're hearing that on this um uh, this issue that's been filed on Tuesday they are now going to accept Jordan Succolo who is Jay Succolo's son and he's in business with his dad and they have that law firm and they do a lot of they represent a lot of Christians and Jay's on the radio and on television and stuff i you know who he is anyway his son is is Jordan and um Jordan is saying today that he's, about this lawsuit that Texas filed, he said that the Supreme Court is now going the next step, and he's involved in this, by the way, which is to say, we want a response, I'm quoting Jordan, we want a response from the states named. Battleground states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin. Jordan says this is the case we've been talking about to reach the Supreme Court of the United States. This is the outcome-determinative case. 62 electoral college votes enough to change the outcome of the election. Then he repeated it. I'm quoting him. This is the outcome-determinative case. 62 electoral votes. With the, you know, with his fist on the on the lectern, he said that's enough to change the outcome. He said the four states have until Thursday, that's tomorrow, at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, to actively respond to election fraud allegations. In this Attorney General Paxson's, he's the Texas guy, bill of complaint. Jordan Succolow says uh, that all the other cases brought before, regardless of their lack of success in the courts, are included and germane to Paxson's case, this Texas case, and that is labeled Texas versus Pennsylvania at the Supreme Court. Now, I took a moment to, to bring you up to speed on that, because you're probably not going to hear this in the press, because it doesn't meet any of their criteria. It doesn't push forward the Biden agenda and their agenda, their far-left agenda. We'll see. It will take a miracle of God, really, to overturn this election. But, you know, I believe in miracles, I've seen so many. The greatest miracle is that God forgave me of my sin. I was born and raised in a church. I didn't get off into a lot of stuff just because of the influences around me. But I was as lost as anybody until I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I want to know what I hear people who have never heard the gospel. They hear about Jesus Christ. They hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they tell their story of how they were saved and how their life was was from addictions and all of this. I don't have that story. Man, I was born and raised in church. I was there four or five times a week, but I was just as lost as anybody until I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. That was the beginning for me. I was young, but I had to take that step myself, and that was my day that I knew that God is a God of miracles, and I've seen him change thousands and thousands of lives through a lifetime of ministry. The power of God unto salvation. And I believe in miracles. I believe America is a miracle country. Those guys should have never won the Revolutionary War. Our nation should have never risen, except it rose because the founders got on their knees and prayed that God would give them the right kind of a constitution for America, it's on the record. These people on the left, they can carry on and lie and scowl and scoff and mock all they want. But even Ben Franklin, who was not very religious, he called for a prayer meeting because they couldn't come together to create our constitution. And yet we have it today. And after prayer, the Constitution of the United States was written. And I believe that God intervened in that. And I believe that God can intervene in anything as he wills to do because he is a sovereign, almighty God. So, yes, of course, it will take a miracle for this to change. But interestingly enough, the Inauguration Committee met yesterday. There's an official Inauguration Committee. It's a joint congressional committee on inaugurational ceremonies. That's what it's called. And they are the committee that run the inauguration of the president of the United States, whomever that may be, each time we inaugurate a president or re-inaugurate one already in office, as would be the case with Trump. They voted down yesterday. And on this this, uh, committee, there's three Republicans and three Democrats on the panel. On there is House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, he's a Republican guy. Should the the, uh, Republicans take the House, he would be Speaker of the House. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, he's a Democrat. And then Senators Roy Blunt from Missouri and Amy Klobuchar, a Democrat from uh, Minnesota. That's who's on this committee. Yesterday, they voted not to proceed with the election, the, the inauguration. They made the decision because, I'm quoting them, there are election-related processes that need to play out first before a president-elect can be decided. Once they make that decision to move forward, they are the official committee, then you begin calling the person president-elect. The press has been calling Biden president elect and I've been sitting here at my microphone telling everybody that would listen to me he's not president elect. Well, now even even Nancy Pelosi and those guys are saying he's not till we say he is. And they said yesterday I'm quoting Mitch McConnell said this a Republican He said, it is not the job of the Joint Congressional Committee on Inaugural Ceremonies to get ahead of the electoral process and decide who we are inaugurating. Or, I'm sorry, Blunt said that, uh, Representative uh, Senator Roy Blunt from, from Missouri. He said that. He's on the committee as well. But he said, the inaugural committee is facing the challenge of planning safe inaugural ceremonies during a global pandemic. I would hope that going forward, the members of the committee would adhere to the committee's longstanding tradition of bipartisan cooperation and focus on the task at hand. And then they voted not to proceed at this time. That was yesterday. And McConnell told the reporters, he said, we've got to remember that the Electoral College meets to elect the president on December 14th. Not today on December 8th. Very interesting in light of the press has not tied this Texas lawsuit to the action taken by this committee yesterday, but I am because they are connected. Prayerfully ask God for his will to be done in America. But I will tell you, with Biden assuming the presidency, how is how is he how would he act if he became the real president of the united states the press has bowed down before this man who sometimes i say this in humility and with no malice but sometimes he can't even remember where he is and somebody listening today say well gary i'm his age, and I can't remember what day of the week it is sometimes. Well, you're not running for president either. I understand that. We all get to that point sometimes, don't we? But he shouldn't be running for president. But they have tried to install him through fraud, through corruption, and now through just rolling right over the facts and calling him president-elect when he is not. He may be, if God allows it, but He is not today, nor was He yesterday. And the committee, the bipartisan committee, said, "No, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to take that step today. There's too much up in the air." I want to thank you for your support of this ministry. It, um, it's very important that you support. It. These are, these are tough times. I mean, there's a lot going on in our world. There's a lot of confusion. There's, I read a report today from a. a company that does research on mental health and physical health. Twenty eight percent of Americans have gained weight, some a lot of weight, during this year of kind of lockdown and restriction and so on. And and they had all the facts, I'm not gonna go through it except to say that there there is a lot of, of impact from the mental, you know, and people are are discouraged, they're depressed. I understand these these are unusual times. We've not been through this in our lifetime exactly like this before other people in the world have, but we haven't. And so we're making a lot of adjustments. There's a lot of depression, suicides are up, and people, 28% of Americans have gained weight, some a lot of weight during the past year because they're not going and doing the stuff they used to do. And so we live in a time when we're physically affected, we're emotionally affected, we're spiritually affected, and certainly economically infected. affected. So thank you for standing with us. We do need your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us. There's a lot of faith and freedoms out there. There were none, only maybe one. When we started our website in 2004, now there are a lot of them out there. It's a good name. That's why we chose it. Faith and Freedom and Family. Go to faithandfreedom.us and that will be us. And there's a little tab there you can click and donate online. And more and more people are doing that now. Thank you so much for your support. As I said, we need it. Talking about elections Republican Senator Kelly Loeffler is running for re-election in Georgia. I'm sure you've heard that. It's important because it impacts all of us. Because should she and Purdue, the other guy in the runoff there in Georgia, there's two Republicans in runoff elections coming up January 5, should they lose the Democrats regardless of who becomes president? The Democrats would take control of the Senate. That would be disastrous because they've already said they want to pack the Supreme Court. That's how important this is. So she asked this pastor who's running against her, Democrat, he's a black pastor. She asked him in the debate Sunday, she said, can you here and now for all Georgians renounce socialism and Marxism? He had no comment. She asked him several times, repeatedly. No comment. (laughs) The answer is, no, I can't here and now renounce socialism and Marxism. Well, they can't because he's written so much about it. Mainstream press, they never ask him about it because they know the answer. They know he's a Marxist and a socialist. The stunning part of it is where he is the pastor. He's the pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. And if that sounds familiar to you, it is familiar because Martin Luther King Jr. was the pastor there at one time. And before him, his father, MLK Sr., was the pastor? Most of us don't live in Georgia, but all of us will be affected by the outcome of that election. Should this pastor Warnock and the other Democrat, he's as far out there as this pastor is, if the Senate would take control or be taken control of by the Democrats, Reverend Warnock, senior pastor, at Ebenezer Baptist, he's he is not only unwilling to denounce Marxism, but his life and his beliefs is a profile of the far left, the religious far left, as they call themselves. It is so anti-Christian, his ideology, that it's stunning. And that's why I wanted to take a couple of minutes today and just talk to you a little bit about it. Two of his books praise Marxism. The Divided Mind of the Black Church, Theology, Piety, and Public Witness is the name of one of his books. No, I'm not recommending it. I'll tell you what it says. You don't have to buy it. You don't even have to spend time reading it. But he said in the Divided Mind book, he said, to be sure, the Marxist critique has much to teach the black church. Indeed, it has played an important role in the maturation of black theology as an intellectual discipline, deepened black theology's apprehension of the interconnectivity of racial and class oppression and provided critical tools for a black church that is yet to awaken to a substantive third world consciousness. How would you like to go to church every Sunday morning and hear that from the pulpit? I don't know why those people keep attending that church. I mean, honestly, probably because of the history with the Martin Luther King family. But does he really believe this stuff? Yeah, he does. He says it over and over again. I wrote a column a while back at faithandfreedom.us about his warped theology, and I I wrote it specifically about Union Theological Seminary, where he went. They are the most far-out anti-biblical, anti-Christ seminary in America. I don't even know why they call themselves a seminary, but they do. Well, Reverend Warnock is a graduate of Union Theological Seminary. Dr. James Cohn was Warnock's advisor and mentor while he was there. And it seems to me that any theology that is identified by the color of one's skin would stand in st- stark contrast to MLK's theology, which to me, maybe I'm missing something here, but it seemed to me that he connected more closely with the content of one's character than the color of their skin. In fact, he asked us to judge people not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I get that because the Bible builds character. James is very clear on that and other teachings in the Bible. But those who truly want to know God are misled by these people. Dr. Cohn called for total reconstruction of society along the lines of democratic socialism. He wrote a book, My Soul Looks Back. In it he calls for the total reconstruction of society along the lines of democratic socialism. Another book that he wrote, A Black Theology of Liberation, Cone teaches that salvation comes from being like God and becoming black. That is, adopting total political solidarity with the black community. In other words, you can't be saved unless you have total political solidarity with the black community. He taught that, I'm quoting from his book, Satanic whiteness makes white religionists incapable of, quote, perceiving the blackness of God. Therefore, they must purge themselves of all their whiteness. He says, quote, there will be no peace in America until white people begin to hate their whiteness, asking from the depths of their being, how can we become black? Is he kidding? No, he's not. People sit in the pews and listen to this. I mean, they're probably distanced now, but They listen to this week in and week out. It's the same message that Jeremiah Wright, Pastor Jeremiah Wright taught in the church that Barack and and Michelle Obama attended for 20 years. And they never had an issue with this until it became a political liability. I'll leave you with this today. There's only one real true equality, and that's found at the cross of Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection provide the only true expression of equality. It goes like this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. All have sinned, all have come short of the glory of God, and all are welcome at the cross. That's where equality begins and ends, at the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. These guys are crazy, and they're false prophets. Well, we'll continue tomorrow, but that's those are the forces that are working to take over our government. I'll see you tomorrow.